Well, good evening, All Shores family. And if you're a guest with us joining tonight, we're so excited for this opportunity that we get to gather together and enter into this season of Lent uh, together. And, uh, and that's what Ash Wednesday is about. So hopefully, if you, you're with us tonight, you either already have some framework for what that means. And if you don't, really the purpose of Ash Wednesday, of this season of Lent, is the beginning of a journey to the cross and to resurrection. It's following with Jesus. It's looking inward at what Jesus wants to transform in us as we take a posture of being willing to, to look inside and make ourselves, through his power in us, more and more like him. And so we want to enter into a, a time of worship to begin our time together, really to, to begin to set that focus of allowing ourselves to focus first and foremost on God so that we can then take, take a look in this season of Lent, beginning today with this Ash Wednesday, of what Jesus wants to do in and through us. So let me have you stand with us. We're going to enter into a time of worship Reminding ourselves that, that wherever we are coming into this season, that we can worship a God who's good, who's faithful, and who is looking out for us and wants the best for us. So let's fix our eyes and our hearts and our minds on who he is, on all he's done for us, and let's worship together now. Blessed are those who run to him, place their hope and confidence in Jesus. He won't forsake them. And blessed are those who seek his face, who bend their knee and fix their gaze on Jesus. They won't be shaken. So come on and praise the set on pilgrimage with Jesus. They'll see his glory. Blessed are those who die to live, whose joy it is to give it all for Jesus and for him only. Oh, Jesus, all for your sanctuary. Bless God in the fields of plenty. Bless God in the darkest valley. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God when my hands are empty. Bless God with the praise that costs me. Bless God when nobody's watching. 
every chance I get, I bless your name. So bless God with no weapons forming. Bless God when the walls are falling. Bless God because it goes before me. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God for he holds the victory. Bless God for he's always with me. Bless God for he's always worthy. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Every chance I get, so come on and praise the Lord with me. Sing if you love his name. Come on and lift your voice with me. He's worthy of all our praise. Come on and bring your offering and sing if you've known his grace. Come on and lift up your holy hands. He's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of all our praise. Sing that again, just the voices. You're all I want. Yes, you are, God. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is. 
is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I'll stand. Oh, 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 oh. took on flesh, fullness of God in hell, less pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to say, till on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for on him was laid here in the death of Christ I lay Christ, we stand in your power tonight, Lord, and may we be reminded as we enter into this season of Lent, God, that you must be our first and foremost primary focus. God, fix our eyes, fix our gaze on you tonight, and may we be able, Lord, to cast off the things that we carry, Lord, the distractions and the burdens, God, our weights, Lord, you tell us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, we take on you. We put Christ on tonight. Amen. We fix our gaze on you. Lord, be with us now as we continue to worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all grab your seat?
Well, we're glad that you're here at the Spring Lake campus and those joining us online for what we say is kind of the entry into the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday. And uh, I'm going to, before we open the scriptures, I want to simply invite you to be quiet. And maybe even, we have an exercise we do called Palms Down and Palms Up. Just when you take your hands and put them out. And it's been a long day for many of you. And if it's been a short day, we're all jealous that you just got up because it's the evening. But go ahead and place your hands out and just let go. I want you to close your eyes and let go of the things you're carrying right now. Could be things that are making you busy. Could be things that you're burdened by. Even things you're looking forward to. Even slow down, kind of. And when you feel like you've let go, you're going to turn your hands over. Say, God, speak. God, I thank you that you give us seasons and times and different rhythms to our lives. And we thank you for this rhythm, Lord, of how we enter in and journey towards Easter together. And so whatever you want to do, we ask you to do it tonight. Let me not get in the way, but let us discover you and even enter in together and individually as a family. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said... Amen. Well, in case you don't know, this is called Ash Wednesday. I want you to think of it as kind of a family time that we enter into a new season and maybe even go back in your own minds to things you've done as a family. Some of them can be very meaningful and some of them can be meaningless but fun. Do you ever have those where you're like, I remember things we do and we have patterns to those, we do them. So in my family, as our kids have grown up, as they began to be adults and we'd show up for family events, many of them leave their phones lying around. So I took advantage of that, and I would hide them regularly every time we got together, which led to them both being angry and needing my help, which were two things I enjoy. And so they would say, well, where is it? And I'd be like, well, you're getting warmer. Well, you're getting colder. And there was a whole thing where they needed my guidance through all of this because they didn't know where it was hidden, and they needed to find it, and they needed my help. And I enjoyed both of those things. And it became a tradition, one that I liked when they hated. They tried to get me back at one point, and they hid my phone, but they did not realize that when you have an uh, iWatch, oh, I, see, it, bang, it dings. So they'd hide it, and they'd be like, ding, and I'd go find it and wreck the whole game for them. <laughs> now, don't worry. I'm not trying to do that with us today. But there are, there are things we do as families, as cultures, and as the church that lend understanding to what we're doing. So I want to take you back to a practice of 3,000 years over that even. And it's a practice that relates to bread and to leaven, it's a practice you'd find to this day in Jewish homes where the family, as Passover approaches, basically in the family, they take leaven and they hide it throughout different parts of the house, different pieces. And the reason for this is because when Israel left Egypt, when God brought them out, he said, you have to make haste and get out right away. There was no time to put leaven in the bread. And after that, he told them, I want you to have a feast for seven days. And during that entire time, don't put leaven in your bread. But he took it a step further and he said, I want you to remove all leaven from your homes for these seven days. So the Jews understood it to mean what we're doing is we're going to search any place in our home we can. And they would take little pieces of it, even the parents would, and they'd hide it around the house. And then the kids were to go find it. They were to do this as a family. They would find what's hidden. And the parents would kind of cheer them on and help them as they needed to. But the picture behind it was to be a picture that relates very well to what we're about to do in this season. The picture was, just like you search for leaven in a home and the places that are hidden and the places all around you, think of your life as your home. And leaven represented, very simply, the affliction of sin, the pain of suffering, the evil that was upon them and that they conducted on their own. So they were to search for those things that were wrong in their lives, that were unhealthy in their lives, that were destructive in their lives. And then it was to even have them speaking about it and how God was moving to do something different. And in fact, in case you don't know, though we won't get into it tonight, typically with communion, we use a flat bread that is free of yeast, free of leaven, because Jesus lived a sinless life. In case you don't know, leaven's what causes things to blow up and grow, to get, po to get proud, to be built up. It's just some real beautiful imagery. So what I want to do with this is we're approaching Ash Wednesday is consider how that might be a picture for us today, kind of cleaning out our own lives. 
and it has biblical precedent. It's not as if it's just an Old Testament principle. So this is Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and they have a lot of messes going on around them. They're not exactly living the way that God would want them to, and he uses this metaphor. He says, don't you know that a little, little leaven works through the whole batch? Now, this is a metaphor as he's getting into, which is meaning sin in our lives, the things that are destructive, the things that are broken, the messes, they don't just live in a corner hidden. They tend to infiltrate the rest of our lives in different ways. He's saying, don't you know that those little things that you don't think you see and others don't, it goes through the whole batch. And then he says, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Now he's drawing all this back to Passover. And he's saying, just like they practiced in Passover, there's a fulfillment of this. It wasn't just an, a mechanism to remember their bondage to Egypt. It's an image of our own bondage to slavery. And that Jesus, there was a sacrificial lambs at that day they got out of Egypt. But Jesus ultimately comes the full sacrifice that changes everything. And then he says, therefore, let us keep the festival not like it's a one-time year, let's live in this kind of way. We're not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And, and I want to, before we go further, just stop on sincerity and truth. Because we live in a world right now where those things are very polarized. You're, you're sincere, and whatever you're sincere is okay. Or your truth, and it's without sincerity, it can be hostile and horrible. Like, you need both. You need to live honestly and sincerely, and there needs to be truth and truth of who we are. So when we're examining these things and looking, what's the truth about my life? What's the truth about my journey? What's the truth about where I am right now? And I want to be clear, as we enter Lent, as we enter Ash Wednesday, and this is a metaphor that fits with these, and we'll come back to it. It's a journey we're taking. Think of it as we're a family. We're in a home and God says to us, listen, in this journey towards Easter, I want you to spend these days leading up to it. From now all the way there, you're searching your own lives to find where there is leaven of malice and wickedness, where there's brokenness, where there's a mess, where there's sin, where there's compromise, where there's ways we're living that aren't moving us forward, but they're devastating to us and those around us. Are we willing to examine and look for them? And I just love the fact that the idea was to go all through your house, everywhere you could find, because they're hidden all over. And can we agree we've got messes we don't even see or know of and things we don't want to look at because we're scared what it might mean. And we're more than happy to point each other's out too. Amen? This is an inward journey. It's not an outward journey. And so the beauty of this as we enter Ash Wednesday is this is the model of how we want to live. It's like we're entering the season of Passover for all these days and, and this is really simply what I want to encourage us as we do it. You know what? You're looking inside your own life, inside your own home, inside your own world. And you're saying, what are my feelings and my thoughts and my actions? What's in my heart towards others? How does that play out in my life? Where is my own sin, my own? If you think of wickedness, it's kind of pushing things for your own advantage at the expense of others. Malice is just wanting to take them out. And I go, man, I, I don't even like those words, yet I know they're in me because there's times where I'm so angry or irritated or offended, I just want to take somebody out. I want something to be caught and changed. That selfishness and pride and pain, we're inviting God to look through the whole house of our lives. That's what we're saying. And what we simply do is we invite the Holy Spirit to search us. One, one of my favorite understandings in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit looks at places you and I can't see. That may be scary, but I actually think it's comforting. There are things I don't see in my own life. I go, man, Holy Spirit, I need you to show me what I'm not seeing. Where are those hidden things? And I would tell you, in the love of our families, often they see them too. But if you're anything like me, you have a pretty good repertoire of defensiveness to that. And if you need new ones, I've got them. I mean, it's really easy to go, this is not something I want to face, but man, this journey could be powerful for us. We're going to move into a, a series this weekend that will lead us through this called Cultivating Kingdom Character. And I think I was really compelled going into this Lent season because it's easy for me to point where I see hypocrisy all around me, and I'm tempted to keep doing that. And I kept hearing God go, take the journey inward in your own home. 
Look into your own life. And so we enter, as we enter Ash Wednesday, saying, I'm about to open my home up to you, Lord. I want to search it, and I want you to search it with me. And so if we're to explain what we're doing as we enter this new season, it's simply this. It's an inward journey. And we are inviting the Holy Spirit to search us. And, and I want to say this even as I consider the invitation. You may be scared. God's out to get me. God's down on me. And I can't change the way you think, but I'm going to invite you to trust with me. God loves you. He's with you and he's for you. And inviting him to search you is a kindness. It's not a harshness. And so what I want to give us are a few handles that might be helpful going into the journey. And then we will do some of the wonderful practices that help us engage in this day. So as you think about the journey, here's three simple things. One is to abstain from magnetic, the magnetic pull of, and you get to fill in what those are. Many of you, if you practiced Lent at all, you know that people give things up for Lent, right? We know that's familiar for many of you. Like, I still love that one of my kids one year said, I am giving up all healthy food. I'm only going to eat sugar and sweets and chips. That's what I'm doing for God this year. And I thought, he is brilliant, but that's not going to work. <clears throat> but I want you to consider what are the magnetic pulls in your life that pull you into your own way, that pull you into what we call old leaven, that pull you into selfishness, that pull you into your own appetite. And if you're wondering why people choose fasting, it's because it's the biblical foundation of any kind of restraint and any kind of temperance because food is the baseline of our appetite. And when you engage in fasting, God gives power to it because you're saying to the Lord, I want to not fill my appetite because I'm prone to fill it with the things I shouldn't. That's why food's always a part of fasting. It's always a part of what that engagement is. But I want you to consider what the other things might be for you. Are there things that have a magnetic pull on your life that you should give up? And I'll just give one as an example, and this is what I'm doing in addition to having some fasting practices is, uh, I've taught on this multiple times, but technology is a magnetic pull for me. I hate that it is. I've made great progress, and I'm amazed. Have you ever made progress and you feel like there's a bungee cord that just pulls you back to it and you find new ways to do it? So I decided for me, I'm actually going to go through, it's called 30 Days to Break Up With Your Phone. It's a process along with actually not using my phone. Because when I need to pull back from technology during these days, I know it really hinders my ability to open my house up to God and go, help me see. Because for me, technology is a distraction. If I engage in that, I don't have to look at things going on. If I keep busy with that and my mind keeps going, even the idea of overstimulating senses, I keep noise on, I keep music on, I keep whatever on, that prevents my home from opening up and going, God, would you help me look? So I'm just saying that's what one step part of this is abstaining. What are you going to abstain from of that magnetic pull? And again, please don't use it manipulatively. Like, I'm going to pick something I hate anyway. That'll be awesome. Second one is really that we want you to make time and space for the Holy Spirit to help you, to help you see the old. You cannot do this without time and space. And so we have processes we've invited to that. We'll have a plan that you can read scripture with us starting on Sunday. The Sunday services are geared to that. But it's also saying, well, I slow down and even just sit in quiet. Would you slow down and go, Holy Spirit, will you show me where there are hidden things in my life, leaven in my life, things that I'm drawn to that are destructive and sinful and waste? Holy Spirit, would you start to show me where those are? And in case you don't, that takes time. Many of us want, would you quick give me the list and I'll fix it right now. And you have to create time and space, an invitation. And then I'll give you the final one, is that confessing to Jesus is so important. So we make time and space, we're asking the Holy Spirit to show us what's old, that he can help us get rid of it. When we confess to Jesus this burden to the old, he promises to help make new what's in there and replace it with, as Paul called, this new leaven, this new way, his new presence and power. And so those three things are really central. And I simply thought maybe this will help us enter Ash Wednesday and enter the season of Lent differently. At the end of the day, what we call it is a season of repentance. And repentance is saying, this is what I do that's not good. This is my sin, and I'm going to turn and live a different way. If you take it in the form of leaven, repentance is looking at the leaven that was destroying us, the leaven of how we live, the leaven of what we think, the leaven of how we are out for ourselves and living and creating mess and brokenness and struggle. And it's letting go 
and saying, I want a new love and to follow you, Jesus, and be like you. That's very simply what it is. And I want to give you one final picture, and then we're going to let you just listen and take a little space before we enter into this together. Because one of my biggest concerns, whenever I invite people to consider repentance and consider God searching them and seeing what's off, is we bring into that our own preconceived ways of viewing God and even our ways of how we think he sees us. And so here's some of the things that we can have. You know what? God's always disappointed with me and angry. You're just gonna make me open a door to his frustration and disappointment. And you're saying to me, go ahead and listen to what the, here's the list God's disappointed with and kind of disgusted by you. I'm telling you, that's a lie. And we have others where we, I just wanna see God where he just loves everything and he would never want me to face anything because he just wants me to be content where I am right now. Doesn't have any desire to see change. And all sorts of other things in between. And I want you to just hear this verse from Paul writing to the church in Rome to describe what repentance is, because I think it gives this beautiful underpinning to how we see God. He says this in Romans 2. Listen, don't show contempt, basically, for the riches of his kindness. He's talking about kindness as God changing and looking for repentance. Don't look at the richness of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. In other words, because God does love you so much and sees the brokenness in your life, he doesn't just see it and go, be glad he's kind and just sit in it. His kindness, the very work of Jesus to live, to in a substituting way die for that mess and that leaven, and then offer new life is so we can have a different kind of life out of it. God's kindness is to leave us, lead us to change. God's kindness is to help us discover the leaven in our lives that's hidden all over the home of who we are, all of the home of our relationships, and go, I want to keep finding these because out of kindness, I have more for you. And I'm even here to help it be changed. I'm not just here to go point it out and be disappointed. His heart longs for us to have more and love us in the examination of it. So with that, what I want to do to start is have you just listen. Listen to the cry of the psalmist waiting for God. Listen to the cry of the psalmist and the heart of love God has for us. And maybe even in the quiet, would you ask God to show you his love, to give you hope, and give you the confidence and trust to actually face what's going on inside of you? Because it requires waiting on him. It doesn't require us figuring it out. I can say for me, most of the things that I find in my life are found because God helps me see them or people who love me and care do. I wish I could say I'm very self-aware and I'm not. So let me invite you just to close your eyes and just sit in the quiet and even take the posture. Maybe this is the way you'd pray it is, Lord, I want to examine my own life. Help me to know your love and help me to wait for you to lead me. And then just listen and sit in that right now. I cry to you in darkest places I will call incline your ear to me anew and here I cry for mercy Lord To count my sinful ways How could I come before your throne Yet full forgiveness meets my gaze I stand redeemed by grace alone And I will wait for you I will wait for you on your word, I will rely. I will wait for you, surely wait for 
as we were singing, uh, maybe it's just the older I get, I, I can picture it as a father. And I can picture any one of my kids in a mess and thinking I'm going to come and get after them and going, all I want to do is reach down and help them find life out of it. And I go, how much more does God do that for us? I, I love those words. He loves us in that brokenness. It's not like, oh, no, I don't want you to see it. It's like God loves you right in the places that are going to be hidden that you're going to find. And he's going to say, I love you so much. I not only want to forgive you, I want you to find new life out of it. I want it to go from death to life. I want to help you. And so when we confess, when we enter into a season like this, we're entering with confidence and knowing the deep love of God, not with fear and concern of what will be exposed. One of the beautiful traditions in the church is we spend time honestly confessing leading into this season. It's kind of an exemplar. Like we do this initially, but it's a pattern we're living in through the whole season of inward journey, a season of God examine in the home of my life, examine the world around me and show me any way offensive. Show me the leaven, the mess of my life. And I want you to be reminded of the centrality of Jesus in this. This is how... The author of Hebrews says it, therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who doesn't, isn't able to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. So let us approach his throne of grace with confidence knowing that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, we want to confess sins corporately. In other words, we're going to read something together that's a way of confessing on behalf of us. There will be things personal in it. There will be things communal in it that we're simply giving language to how we go before God and go, listen, in all honesty, this is what we say to you in our confession. So with that in mind, the words should come up on the screen 
and we're going to say this together. If you want to move those ahead, there we go. There should be, I think, three screens of them. So let's say this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. It's a beautiful thing when we confess, and we always confess as brothers and sisters. Once in a while, I get to have a priestly role, which is I'm declaring over you what God would say. And so hear these words, really of absolution, that Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. So we have now confessed, and our final act in this will be actually the coming forward to have ashes placed on your foreheads, ashes in the shape of the cross. Ashes have great meaning to us because they're symbolic of death. They're symbolic of the very sin. They're symbolic of the nature that you and I begin in dust and we end in dust. That in a sense, we are honestly saying, God, we put ashes on us as a sense of our brokenness, of our own leaven of malice and sin and death. And we get the cross as a statement of God's forgiveness and life over us. And then you'll hear these words, turn from sin and be faithful to the gospel. And while they're words to enter the season of Lent, they're words to carry with you. When you hear turn from sin, what you're hearing is get rid of the leaven of your life that is destructive, whether it's hidden or seen. And be faithful to the gospel, receive and discover the leaven of Jesus that actually transforms us. And make no mistake, he needs to transform us. But this is a beautiful sacred act we do as an image of God's presence, power of our contrition and confession in the journey we're about to go on inward of saying, God, search me. So with that in mind, let me invite you to stand. There will be stations up here at each of the breaks in the roads. If those who are leading want to come and do that. If for some reason you're not able to walk up here, which we know some of you won't be, if you have someone with you, have them let us know and we'll have someone come back or raise your hand as they're done, they'll look for you as well. But let me just pray that God would do something sacred in this and let it not be a moment, but kind of a picture of how you're entering the season. So Lord, I ask as we enter into the sacred action of receiving ashes, as we hear the words, turn from sin and be faithful to the gospel, God, would you open our homes and our lives to you? Would you meet us? And would you transform us? May this be a token of what we're asking for in the weeks ahead leading into Easter. We pray this in your name. Amen. We will worship and you can come as you're ready to receive the ashes. This is my 
give you a blessing in just a minute, but even as we were singing, you know, I have those things where you, and we all do, we sense God in different moments and different things, and uh, I just found myself considering or thinking about sincerity. Sincerity is just being honest. Sincerity can mean I don't see it, I don't want to see it, 
Sincerity can mean I want to be different, but I don't, I kind of like where I am. Sincerity is honesty. This is where I am, God, would you help me? Even if I don't want to pursue this, would you help me? The truth is, man, God just cherishes you. And the invitation to repent and be changed is actually a delight, though it always feels different, doesn't it? And, and there's just one thing for me that I found is really helpful is I want to get to a place where when I see the leaven that is not good in me, that I ache over what it causes more than I ache over how people see it. Because I often don't want sin exposed because I'm afraid of how I appear. And there's a freedom when you lose that and you care about the pain it causes and you let God love you in it. Like I think this is a profound journey that we can take. It isn't just a church tradition, it's a journey. God, I'm opening up my life to you, would you help me? And do you think God wants to help you? You bet he does. So I don't want this to be routine. I hope it's a sacred season we enter. And with that in mind, let me have you place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. May the spirit help you find time and space to lead you. May you hear his promptings, respond to his leading. May you let go and even move away from the things that draw you away from him. And may you, as you confess, may you sense Jesus' power and love to basically change you and bring the new leaven of his life to you for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.